Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Praise the Lord. Man, I felt a little bit of heaven this morning singing that. (laughs) How many are happy to be here? Happy Father's Day. I mean, it's Father's Day. Why don't the fathers, the dads all stand up in here today and... uh, why don't you just stand up if you're a dad? Let's give him a hand, yeah. Woo! I mean, we want to thank you for all that you do. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being there for your kids and for your families. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. And, you know, I'm, I'm very well aware that Father's Day can bring with it a lot of emotions. Grief over losing a dad. Joy because you get to spend the day with your dad. Anger over your dad not being a part of your life. The feeling of being blessed because you have such a great dad. Overwhelmed because you're a new dad. Any of those in here this morning? Or going to be soon? Ben Bedwell in a couple weeks. You saw his wife up here singing, my daughter. But there's one thing that we all do have in common, even though it's amazing how many different emotions and feelings can accompany a special day like this. And the thing we have in common is this, no matter what your dad's situation is or what it's been, there's a truth that we can all anchor to. And it's the fact that we all have access to a heavenly father that is perfect in every way. You know, every dad that stood up, we love you, you're great, you're awesome, but you're all imperfect, including me. But our God, our father, is perfect in every way. I want you to get a hold of that truth this morning, that the heavenly father that you serve is perfect. He makes no mistakes. He's perfect. And one of the best ways that you can know him is to remind yourself of who he is. Remembering his attributes and to try to list them all in one sermon would obviously be impossible. So this morning I want to talk to you about just one attribute of God. And this attribute is really summed up in the one of the names, I guess, that we uh, often speak to describe him. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. I want to talk about today our perfect Heavenly Father. I want to talk about the one aspect, just one of his aspects, one of his characteristics, one of his names, Jehovah Jireh, the God who is a perfect provider for his people. And it's so easy for us to fall into uh, panic mode Um, in the times that we're living in. We have to remember where our provision comes from. Our God, our perfect provider, Jehovah Jireh. And it's, it's easy to worry about all the things that we could lose. I think that's what creates fear in so many people especially when you start thinking about the government uh, breaking down or police being defunded or if supply lines dry up or if division continues to be stirred up by the media and some of those that govern over us. 
But these are exactly the times to pick up the word and remember who our God is. I want you to remember something, church. In the midst of everything going on, there's an excitement that should be, I don't know, it's in me. I hope it's in you too. But there's an excitement that just kind of sits in your belly because you know it's signs of the times and we know what's gonna happen. The future has already been written and Jesus Christ wins. So you got nothing to worry about, right? And that's something to hold on to and remember, especially in the area of provision. Man, what, all the stuff I worked so hard for, I could lose. Do you think that you deserve everything that you have? No matter how hard you worked. Or is it God blessing you? I don't think we deserve anything. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross and made me, washed me clean and made me whole and blessed me because of all of that. We have access to his blessings, no doubt. But to demand that we deserve to have when many of us, every one of us in this room and every one of us that's listening within this country of ours is blessed so greatly compared to the rest of the world. I've been reminded lately of the missions trip that we took to Botswana just over a year ago, and um, it still gets me emotionally when I think about the reaction that the teachers had when we handed them hand lotion and highlighters, and they wept, and they sang praises to God because it was so rare for them to have these kinds of things. How many know you got piles of that stuff sitting around your house? We're a blessed people. We're a blessed people. Matthew 6, 31 through 34 says this, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And when he says Gentiles, what that means is that that's the people that are outside of God's chosen people in this text in any way. He says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, you are, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's a great reminder to us, especially during times like this. And as Christians, we need to walk in that faith that we claim and cling to so fervently. We claim it. We say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I go to church. I believe the Bible. We say all these things. But it doesn't, that doesn't mean that, that we, we should be foolish with the things, of course, that, that we've been given. We can't continually waste our money and continue to purchase things we don't need and then expect God to provide, of us, provide for us to pay the bills. We can't take our freedoms for granted and completely ignore our personal civic responsibilities and then pray for God to keep providing freedom for us. That doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna be the worst citizen I can possibly be. I'm not gonna care about anything. I'm not gonna vote. I'm not gonna get involved. I'm not gonna do anything. God, keep our freedoms real, you know? Keep them right before us. Keep us free as a nation. That doesn't make any sense. We can't neglect our families and then expect God to provide us with healthy family relationships. And we know these things. and It just makes sense. It's common sense that we have to do our part. 
having faith isn't a license to be foolish and expect God to make up the difference for us. But having faith does require us to step out and walk in that faith, to not cower in the corner and wish for better days or situations, especially when it comes to God being our ultimate provider. And and church, I believe God allows us to be tested. He's a jealous God, meaning he's jealous for your affections. And he will allow situations and circumstances to develop in our lives that give us opportunities to choose him or the benefits and blessings we have because of him, that can, that, that can be extremely hard. Do I, do I really love him, or do I just love the blessings I get from him? Is God really uh, my, 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 my source and my savior, or am I just hanging around near the cross because good things happen to me when I do? That's something everybody has to ask themselves. Abraham knew this all too well. And after God called Abraham to sacrifice his only son to prove his faith, Abraham passed the test. And Genesis 22, 11 through 14, this is one of the great, great stories of, of, of the Old Testament. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. Everybody say that. Turn to your neighbor and say Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So it's really wonderful to read the happy end of a story before you have to experience the suspense of the beginning and everything that leads up to the end. But that's what I just did. I just read you the end of the story. The promise here is that God is our provider. All that we need, he knows about. And he will provide it. It's one of his attributes as our heavenly father. He is our provider. But I wanna rewind, and I wanna take you back to the beginning of the story. Because I want you to look at what Abraham did that put him in the place where he could receive that promise of provision. Every promise in the word of God has conditions attached to it. That's true. Every promise in the word of God has conditions attached to it. Amen? Do you believe me? Except for one, the unconditional love that God has for us. That's unconditional. But unconditional love does not mean that his promises are unconditional. And sometimes I think that gets confused. Well, God loves me unconditionally, so all of his promises are for me. All of his promises are for you, but there are conditions to those promises. It's important to understand that, especially in the time of chaos and pandemic and even signs of the times that we live in. Because how many, how many know that no matter how bad it gets, we, we better be in a position like Abraham was to receive all that God has for us, to have him be our provider. How many know that's important, especially in these times? And it can best be explained by saying that we must do our part and we can be assured that he will do his. 
So again, let's go back in the story and let's look for the conditions that Abraham met in order to live in that place where God became Jehovah Jireh for him. Genesis 22, one through two. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Man, if you heard God speak to you, would you say, here I am? Or would you go, whoa. He said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Number one, what was the condition that was met by Abraham? Abraham had a relationship with him. This is, pretty, this is a pretty blunt, blunt thing to ask of Abraham. I mean, if you understand this, all, all the years of praying and crying out to God for a son, for, a, for a, an heir, for a child, after all the promises of his descendants, I mean, God promised Abraham, your descendants are gonna be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as plentiful as the grains of sand on the seashore. Say that 10 times fast. And God gives Abraham a son, and his name is Isaac. It's awesome. The promise has been given. He's received. The, the child has come. It's awesome. But then can you imagine praying and asking God for the desire of your heart, and he gives it to you. What an awesome God. But what if the very thing that you have been blessed with is now suddenly taken away? And not only taken away, God was telling him, sacrifice him to me. I want to know that you love me and not just my blessings. I want to know that you have a real relationship with me and that you're not just hanging around to receive some promise. We're talking about authentic relationship here. Real relationship. And this was a moment of truth for Abraham. What was more important to him? Isaac, his promised child, his one and only son, the savior, if you will, of Abraham's legacy? Or would he choose his heavenly father? You know, relationship is, uh, it's easy to profess, but it can be hard to prove when things are tough. What will you choose if it comes right down to it? And understand, I, I don't believe God is going around trying to make life hard for those that love him just to put them through a test and, and all that. But I do believe that this fallen world provides plenty of opportunity for us to be tested constantly. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in reference to anything except that we're gonna be okay. You just don't know. God is Jehovah Jireh for those that are in right relationship with him. It's a condition to the promise. Are you in right relationship with him? And relationship means more than having said the sinner's prayer, church. Are you talking with him every day? Are you spending time in his word? Do you long to be in his presence? Or is it more like you're just going through this life trying to find the good when there doesn't seem to be a lot of it, so... You more or less spend your time wondering where God is in all of this. Maybe it would be a good reminder to us all that when we are saying, where are you, God? He's saying, where are you? We haven't talked in a long time. 
Now, I, I know for a fact that there are those of you who, who can't hardly breathe if they don't spend time with the Lord every day. There's great examples in this church of people who have fabulous, wonderful relationships with the Lord. But the point needs to be made. Don't expect to know him as Jehovah Jireh when you are in need, when you don't really want to know him any other time. Relationship is a condition to the promise. Abraham had that relationship with his father. We have to have it too. Let's read on, Genesis 22, 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And so we see here in this one verse the obedience of Abraham to God's word. He was obedient to God's word, to his word. And that's something you... It's awesome. He didn't wait around and, and pray about whether sacrificing his son was God's will or not. He knew God. He had a relationship with him. And he knew his voice because of that relationship. So he immediately acted on what he was told to do. God spoke and Abraham moved. You have to understand something about obedience. It always points to the condition of the heart. It seeks to please God and God alone. If we do not strive to walk in obedience, how can he be Jehovah Jireh when we ourselves are in need? I mean, that would be like going around breaking the law because you feel laws shouldn't apply to you and then getting upset and act victimized when you are held accountable for breaking those laws. Hello, that doesn't make any sense. This is to say that as we do our part in obedience, he does his part as our perfect provider. Understand, and I want to make this very clear. He talks to us, we ignore him. He tries to lead us, we ignore him. He says, hey, maybe do this, we ignore him. He calls out to us, we ignore him. We're doing our own thing, we're doing our own thing. We're good people, we're doing good stuff. We're busy. He's calling to us, we ignore him. He tells us to do this, we ignore him. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in need and we're like, Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider, where are you right now? He's like, I've been trying to talk to you for how long and you're not listening. You're not being obedient. You see, God, I, I think this is so important to understand, for, for, especially for, it's for any Christian to be reminded, but, but for sure, uh, newer people to the faith, newer uh, Christians, I guess you could say, are those that have chose Christ to be their Savior. Very important for them to understand this. You are not going to get the whole big picture from God on everything you're supposed to do from here to the end of your life. Well, I want to know God's will for my life. Well, that's not how it comes. You know how it usually comes for most of us? He gives you the next right thing to do, so you do it. Then he gives you the next right thing to do, and then he does it. And then you do it, right? You should. Then he gives you the next right thing. Yeah, yeah, but I, 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 I want to see it all so I know where I'm going. He just wants you to be obedient in the small things, in the easy things. And sometimes we're so busy looking for the big picture that we can't, we, we're not even obedient to the little stuff he's trying to get us to that big picture. And we miss it. So we do our part in obedience. He does his part as our perfect provider. 
We must realize, and, and here's a word that I would hope would ring throughout uh, the church, would ring throughout our community, would ring throughout our state, would ring throughout our nation, would ring throughout the world. Hopefully, and I, I know this, this little pulpit, uh, it, it may not get there, but, but spread the word for me, folks. It's a two-letter two or a two-word phrase that everybody needs to grab hold of and live by and think about, especially in this, this world we live in right now. It, it's the two words, personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Well, that, I mean, it's either good or not. Don't give me a half-hearted clap. I mean, come on. Personal responsibility. I mean, oh, we're responsible for ourselves, especially as free people. Let me free you up in this this morning. Because you're going to fail in being obedient. We all do. But we need to strive to walk in obedience. And when we mess up, let's be sure to own it and repent of it. Let's not blame our disobedience or our failures and everybody else. Victim mentality is running rampant. Don't just point the finger at God and say that he doesn't keep his promises when you haven't been striving to walk in obedience. And maybe it would be good for me, again, just to explain a little bit more what this looks like. What does it mean to walk in obedience? That's a word we throw around, but maybe it's not ever explained. Well, first of all, it means that you live according to the Bible. It means that you believe what it says and you use the written word of God as the very foundation for your entire worldview. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's not easy when there seems to be a whole lot of people who disagree with most of what it says. But it doesn't matter. You must purpose it in your heart that if the word of God says it, you believe it, end of story, that's it. It's your source. You can't go through as Christians and pick what you like and leave on the table what you don't. Well, that seems a little harsh, that part of the word, so I don't want that part. You can't do that. It's truth, all of it. Amen? Amen. I kind of said that angrily, but I'm happy. (laughs) It's truth. All of it is truth. It's not a buffet. Eh, I think I'll leave the pickled herring and the the beets and all the stuff that you got to stir to the bottom to get to the good stuff in the bottom because nobody wants the good stuff. You take it all. You take it all. Are you hearing me today? And of course, there are certain passages that are debated even amongst believers, but generally speaking, these are not the main things. The main truths are held dear by most all born-again Bible-believing Christians. Major on the majors, and you're never going to have a problem. But there are, are also moments in your life, so the Word of God's important. We, we have to know what it says. We have to live by it. Let it be our foundation. There are also moments in your life when you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to you. He'll prompt you. He'll give you an idea within your spirit that you will need to act on and be obedient to. And these, these promptings will, will never go against God's written Word or be cr- contrary to His character or nature. 
And as you develop and grow in your relationship with him, you will grow in your ability to rightly discern his voice and his leading versus your own thoughts and ideas that seem right to you. It's very simple. When you come up against a decision you have to make, and I'm talking about decisions of life, decisions to do this, decisions to do that, should I do this? You'll get a prompting. You're like, okay, was that me? Was that the bad pizza I ate last night? Or is that the Holy Spirit talking to me? The first question you should ask, is: does it line up with his word? Does it make sense according to his written word? And if you don't know the word, it stops right there, right? That's why you gotta be in the Word. So it lines up with the Word, and then you're like, okay, should I do it or shouldn't I? You, you, and, and then you say, it, it lines up with the Word, it seems right to me, it feels like it's God, and you step out in faith and you are obedient to those little things. That's how it works. That's what it looks like. And then you'll get good at it. You'll make great decisions. And great decisions lead to that place where you can be in his blessings and his promises are yes and amen to you. But obedience, it's a condition of the promise. Let's read on. Genesis 22, four through eight. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Kind of looks like Jesus walking with the cross, don't it? There's a lot of, lot of um, parallels here. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, talking of Abraham, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, they, they do believe that Isaac was about 20 years old at this time, or maybe younger. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. You, you got to put yourself in Abraham's mindset here. You got your promised son right next to you. God tells you to sacrifice him, and you take him by the hand, and he's 20 or maybe late teenager. He, he can probably whoop up on you because what was Abraham by this time, 100 and so, 120? We got a 120-year-old man with a 20-year-old son. Who's gonna win that arm wrestling match? So you have a willing son, which is important. Also a picture of Jesus. And he's walking up, he's like, hey, where's the sacrifice? We got all the stuff for it. And Abraham doesn't say, <laughs> buddy you're the sacrifice but he speaks in faith he says God himself will provide it's another condition Abraham had faith in God's goodness in God's goodness we just sang about it Abraham never doubted the goodness of God. He knew how good God was and still is. He understood that three-fourths of the word good is the word God God loves you. He loves you, church. He knows how to give good gifts to you. He sent his only son to die for you. Don't doubt, especially in the midst of chaos and, and crisis, that God is good in the midst of it all. It looks like it's all melting, it's all falling apart. God is good. It doesn't matter what you see on TV, God is good. It doesn't matter what you experience or what, what you're going through, God is still good. All the time, he is good. We live in a world where bad things happen, a world in which sin has entered and brought with it sickness, disease, and death. If Adam and Eve would have never sinned, they would have never been sick. They would have never aged. 
They would have never had to toil in their work or experience pain in childbirth. They would have never died. They would have lived forever. Everything that is bad in this world can be traced back to the sin in the garden, and we can't blame them because we all have sinned. Everything good in the world is a result of Christ's redemptive work on the cross. And this is why I never shut up about talking, or, or talking about building his kingdom. We are to be kingdom builders, amen? We are to build it until he comes back. That's our job. This is why the church exists. We do that whenever we give financially to his work. We do it whenever we share our testimony. We do it when we pray and when we give a cup of cold water in his name. We build his kingdom when we allow the Holy Spirit to use us in the gifts of the Spirit. His kingdom is even built when we smile. Everybody smile. Look at your neighbor and smile. Show them the pearly whites. Hold it. Hold the smile. Eyeball them. Let it get awkward. Some of you aren't doing it. You two brothers right there, you need to turn to each other and smile. You're not doing it? Hey, Dad, give them a whooping after church for disobeying the pastor, all right? <laughs> smile. Smile. I just said whooping from the pulpit. That's good. When we leave people better than we found them and when we, have lived, when we live our faith out loud, it's all a part of building the kingdom. It's all a part of redeeming that which has been lost. That's what building the kingdom is all about. And this work will not be completed until he comes back in all of his glory and all of his power. But nonetheless, we fight to build it until he comes again. And here it is, church. We don't, uh, we, we don't do these things when we doubt in his goodness. We just won't do them. We get lethargic and lazy and complacent when we doubt his goodness. You can't build his kingdom and question his goodness at the same time. It just doesn't work. I mean, life is hard. It's difficult. The sins of others and the consequences of their sins can certainly affect those of us who love God. How come... There's been situations where a good Christian couple with their family leaves church. They're all excited about the Lord and on the way home, they're hit by a, a drunk driver and they're killed. We're like, where was God in this? We live in a fallen world and bad things happen, but it doesn't change the fact that God is always good and we have to have faith in his goodness. We must have faith in his goodness. And remind ourselves how good he really is. You know, bad things happening, difficult things happening, the consequences of, of sins of others affecting us, that's the price for having free will. But no matter how tough the situation that we find ourselves in, he is always good. We can be confident in what Romans 8.39 says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if we know he loves us, we can have faith in his goodness no matter what. Having faith in his goodness is a condition to the promise that he is Jehovah Jireh. Abraham had a relationship with him. Abraham had a real relationship with him. 
He was obedient to him. He listened to him, and he acted on it. And Abraham knew and had faith in the goodness of God. Let's read on, 9-10, last point. Then they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. There again, you have a willing Isaac and a father going through with what God had told him. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And I want you to understand something. Why did Isaac go through with all this? Because Isaac had a heart of worship. At the center of worship is sacrifice. Sacrifice involves the giving up of something valuable. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, or spiritual act of worship, some versions say. Paul is saying that just as the Jewish people offered animals as sacrifices to God, Christians should offer themselves, their bodies to him, as living sacrifices. He was saying that the only rational response to God's mercy in that he... our rational response to God's mercy that, that he's provided us with is eternal life. I mean, that, that, I'm sorry, I messed up here. The only rational response to God's mercy that's given us eternal life is to give him our lives as a sacrifice to use for his purposes here and now. So rationally speaking, he provides us mercy and eternal life. We respond with giving him our hearts and our souls and our lives and everything we are everything that we are. To worship is to give God worth. Whatever it is that we do that brings worth to him is really worship. We've talked about that before. Coming here today or tuning in online to hear God's word is the act of saying he is worthy of your time and of your efforts. That's worship. Working as to worship unto him. Singing, giving, serving, anything we do for his glory shows that he is worthy. That is the very essence of true worship. Abraham built an altar of worship here. All that he had done was worship. All of his efforts in packing up and and making the trip, all of the preparations he made for the sacrifice, the fire and the wood and the work it took to physically build the altar, not to mention he climbed a mountain. All of it showed God the worth that Abraham placed on him. Abraham was saying with all of this, Lord, you are worthy. I worship you. I want to worship you. And all these points, they overlap and intertwine. Being obedient shows the intimacy of, his, of, of, of Abraham's relationship. His relationship, his knowing God prompted his worship. Abraham's faith in God's goodness made being obedient much easier. They all intersect and help create the other, but they are all conditions of the promise that God can be Jehovah Jireh in your life. He can be your provider. I said before, and I'll say it again, God's promises are conditional. He has unconditional love for you, but his promises are conditional. Here's some conditions in this particular story. God's called Jehovah Jireh here, the God who provides, and we just went over them. Relationship, that's real. Obedience. Faith in his goodness. And a true heart of worship. When you do those things, God 
will be your absolute provider. You know what's wonderful about that? There is nothing on the news. There is nothing in current events. There is zero things that can happen that can rob you from that promise if you're meeting those conditions with your life. I mean, you could lose your home, you could lose everything you have, and you can just rest assured that God will provide everything you need. Do we want that to happen? No, of course not. We don't hope calamity on us, on ourselves. We don't wish for that. But in the grand scheme of things, we're going to heaven. Jesus wins. Yeah, amen. We're provided for. God is good. And nothing that happens to us can rob us from the fact that he's always going to provide for us. Even unto death. I mean, you could be killed for your faith and God provides eternal life for you. He's Jehovah Jireh. So the next time you worry about any need that you may have, check your heart. Ask yourself if you're meeting the conditions of this promise. If you are, then boldly declare him as Jehovah Jireh. I'm meeting these needs, God. I'm doing the best that I can. I, I can't see any. I mean, I, I obviously can always improve, but I'm doing it, Lord. So I declare you as Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. I am not going to worry. I refuse to worry. That promise is for you. But if you examine yourself and you find yourself lacking a bit, ask for forgiveness. Repent and change. Let his love for you pour over your soul. Then get up and declare him as Jehovah Jireh in your life. He's your provider. No matter what your need may be. And remember that he knows what you need more than you do. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a perfect father. And Lord, we could go on and on and on and on about your many attributes. But Lord, with all the things going on in the world right now, it's reassuring to just remember that you alone are our provider. That all good things come from you. That you are in control and God, when we live up to the conditions of the promise that you are Jehovah Jireh, Lord, those promises of you being our provider, they're ours. And we can walk with confidence in those promises. No matter what happens, no matter what befalls us, you're our provider. We thank you for that. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.